we're comfortable talking about these subjects, so why not share them with the world and have other fathers and sons learn what we're talking about? You know, we don't have it all figured out, but at least we can have the conversations. And we feel like using our voice, being able to communicate, articulate a message and a thought is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Carve out time for your son. It's going to help you become a better person and your son become a better person. Young men and young women who have an engaged dad in the home are going to have a huge advantage. So that requires humility as a father. Our egos are getting in the way and I need to, as a father, get out of the way sometimes. We need to meet our children where they are. You're very present with us, but I think that you could you could spend a little more time off your phone. I know that's your work, but I feel like maybe you could spend a little more time off your phone. And then if we can sacrifice in a way, they're going to feel that. And they're going to have an additional level of respect. If he's into it, I'm into it. And that makes a huge, huge difference. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Baloo, and we've got a fantastic pair of guests here for you today. Today's guests are a father and son team. Uh, my good friend and uh, brother from another mother, Ryan Mickler, and his son, Brecken Mickler. These two gentlemen host the Man in the Making podcast. And the, the, the exact name of this podcast, along with its uh, kind of subtitle, is Man in the Making, Men Are Forged, with father, son, Ryan and Brecken Mickler. Welcome to the show, Ryan and Brecken. What's up, man? Good to see you again. Yeah, awesome to be here. I'm excited to start. Good, me too. I think this is, is this your second podcast that you've done? Yeah. Second podcast on, on somebody else's podcast. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm sure it'll do great. Oh, it's going to be great, man. He's doing a great job on his own show. So why wouldn't he do a great job when he doesn't have the pressure of asking all the questions? So I think it'll be fantastic. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, gentlemen, I, I just want to say that I really, really love your podcast, and I've listened in on a few uh, episodes, and what I found really valuable about it is that you talk about real issues that fathers and sons should be talking about, right? You don't skirt through the, so the surface, fluffy, soft stuff, and I think that's extremely valuable and necessary in today's world. What I want to know and understand, and if maybe, Brecken, you can take the, the question and answer it first is what made you come up with the idea of doing this podcast? Yeah, we probably came up with the idea since I've been doing shipping and handling for order of man. I've always, I love shipping and handling, but I wanted to do more with the company. So I think we were in Hawaii and I didn't know, but he started designing a logo for it and, <laughs> and it, it turned out amazing, but I just think we're comfortable we're a comfortable relationship. We we're comfortable talking about these subjects. So why not share them with the world and have other fathers and sons learn what we're talking about? Yeah. Good call. And Ryan, what made you want to do this? 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, he, he did a great job in answering that question. Uh, we, we have these types of conversations. Uh, I grew up without a permanent father figure in my home, and so I didn't have the the luxury or privilege of having an engaged father in my house at all times. Uh, you know, there was glimpses and moments of that uh, and and where he has an advantage where I'm around. And, and I don't say that to toot my own horn. I'm, I'm saying in general, young men and young women <clears throat> who have an engaged uh, dad in the home are going to have a huge advantage over those who don't. Uh, but what I've noticed is that there's a lot of men who listen to my podcast, Order of Man, uh, and they don't know how to have these conversations or they don't know how to connect with their boys. And there's a great quote by a gentleman named Douglas Wilson. He said, if uh, boys don't learn, men won't know. And so as much as we work to serve the men who tune into what we're doing, uh, I, I think there was an opportunity to catch a lot of these young boys at, at an earlier age. And so, you know, coming from me, I mean, even sometimes Brecken, 13, almost 14 years old now, you know, I might say something and I can see him roll his eyes and, you know, I can see him resist that a little bit, which is, which is natural and it's good, right? He's trying to find his independence. And so we thought, hey, if, if we could, if we could have Brecken do this, and the messages and the words and the, and the stories and the lessons are coming from a peer, that's going to be different than potentially coming from, from a father or a father figure. And also we wanted to give, make sure dads had some, some, some fodder for the conversation, right? Because it's hard. And that's one of the questions I get a lot is, you know, Hey, I'm, I, I've got my son, he's hitting puberty and he's getting into his teenage years. And you know, he's, he's getting in trouble at school or he's dealing with this and that. Like, what, what do I do? What do I say? Well, you know, we don't have it all figured out, but at least we can have the conversations. And we feel like using our voice, being able to communicate, articulate a message and a thought is one of the most powerful things that we can do. And we have huge advantages of that with regards to technology. So let's utilize it. Yeah, well said. Well said. Both of you answered that question really, really well. So. You know, I'm I'm going to speak as a as a father to a couple of teenage boys. One of them's 14 years old, and um, this kid loves his electronics. He just got himself an Oculus. His mom bought it for him. His mom and I are together, unfortunately, and he's got a PC gaming system at home. He's got the Xbox thing going on. He's on his phone, and uh, he also plays sports. He plays hockey, and he's a goalie. And you know, that's that's like pretty tough position to play. But I'm a little frustrated because I think he ought to be on his electronics less and he ought to be doing physical stuff more. Um, Brecken, what are your thoughts? How do I speak to my boy? How do I help him? And I have a real good dialogue about this. Yeah, what I would say about that, I think we've talked about it once on the podcast, maybe, but just briefly, uh, we've we've had the Oculus, like a virtual reality gaming system before. But now that's just sitting on our drawer. But I would say um, maybe let him have an hour, 30 minutes every day, have that time to do the video games and be on his phone and then just go outside, do do physical stuff, spend time with, with each other, have talks. But I would say just like we do, we only get 15 minutes on the computer or iPad twice a day. So we only get 30 minutes on the computers and iPads. So that's, that's what we do. And I think it works great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look, so, so I have, we have an Oculus and, and it's pretty interesting. We bought this 
I don't know what, two months ago or so. Yeah. It's dead literally in my closet right there. <laughs> Cause I just, I walked into my closet and I saw it sitting there. Um, look, I, I don't think video games are bad. You know, I, I know a lot of people say, you know, they're evil and they're horrible and we shouldn't let our kids use them or whatever. Like, I, I don't think that I, I, I think that if, if we can use video games and our, and our kids are using video games in moderation, they're going to learn a lot about technology and advancements and maybe it'll unlock some, some creativity. You know, there are some things like I played video games. I played the original Nintendo when I was a kid growing sure. up, you know, it's awesome. Uh, we have an original. Yeah, for sure. We have an original Nintendo. We have an Atari here. We don't play them. They're somewhere in storage. I think they're in the <laughs> attic or something. I don't know. Uh, but but here's here's what people try to do. Is is they look at the things that they don't want in their life. So let's say in this case, gaming systems. And they say, well, I'm just going to remove it. Or guys will say that about drug addiction or pornography or alcohol addiction. Like, I'm just going to get rid of it. I, I, I think that's a good idea, obviously. But what are you going to replace it with? Mm. Right? Because if, if you just cut out the video gaming, for example, maybe it's a couple hours a day or whatever it might be then your kid's going to be sitting there twiddling his thumbs. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And he's going to find something. And for a 14 year old boy, it's probably going to be something that's hormonally driven. Right? Like, <laughs> that's just the nation. Like Nikki, you and I have been there, right? Yeah, we know. Of course. <laughs> and, and so it's like, all right, so what are we going to replace that with? So Brecken doesn't have time to play video games. <laughs> like he's, he's, doing the store uh he's very active with lifting uh, the pa- powerlifting in, in particular he's had a powerlifting competition about a week and a half ago uh he's he comes to crossfit two days two actually probably closer to four three or yeah. four days a week so like there's not like and when we're not doing that he's doing homeschool he's doing chores around the house he's fulfilling orders for order of man he's doing podcasts like there ain't a whole lot of time to dink around yeah My mom used to say it and I'd roll my eyes when I would sit around and lounge on the couch. She'd say, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, I'd roll my eyes with my mom, but that's totally right. So like our kids don't have a whole lot of time to sit around and dink around and fart around and do whatever they're going to do. Like we're doing stuff. We're all together as a family. We're working. We're doing chores in the yard. We're doing chores around the house. These guys are cooking food. Like my wife was out of town uh, yesterday and the day before. So she put all the food out and helped Brecken get prepped. Like he made dinner uh, two nights ago. Nice. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're not sitting around like, well, I got time to kill. No, we, we got things to do. We got a lot to do. Uh, and, and it's all productive. You know, I got a lot out of that answer from both of you. So first of all, is you got to replace the video time with something else, something productive, something that's going to engage them. And I've got to like, really just, you know, put my foot down and say, okay, you know what, put that away. Let's go outside. Let's go for a walk. Let's, let's play some basketball or, or whatever. And I think that's the kind of well, thing. Nikki, that let me, done. Yeah, go ahead. Let me throw something in here for the people who are listening. Um, the reason you wouldn't do that. And, and I'm not like pointing fingers at you specifically. No, you or anybody. Go ahead. I just want you I to consider. <laughs> I just want people to consider that video games, like having your kids play video games or jump on the phone or jump on the iPad. That's easy. It's like super easy. Like here, here, Brecken, like, I don't want to engage with you. Use my phone. Yeah. Right. 
And that's easy. That's the path of least resistance. Cause then I don't need to do shit. Like all I need to do is just hand the phone over to them and then I can go on and do my own stuff. Okay. But it's infinitely harder to say, Hey, we're going to go outside. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to work on the truck. We're going to go clean the barn. Uh, we're going to go fulfill orders. Cause you know what that involves me. <laughs> and, and so really when we hand our kids a cell phone or an iPad or a video game console, what we're really doing is saying, I don't want to do this. This is hard. I don't want to engage. And so here, let this be your babysitter or let this be your daddy. And, and I, I, I don't want that. Like I, I want to be engaged. And so, yeah, sometimes like I don't want to go outside and go for a walk. Or sometimes I don't want to go outside, you know, and ride bikes uh, or fulfill orders or whatever we're doing. But that's selfless. You know, I make that sacrifice because I realize, hey, I could let somebody else or something else be his babysitter, or I could be his dad and I could sacrifice and I could step in and I can say, hey, look, we're going for a walk. Hey, look, we're going for a bike ride. We're going to jujitsu. We're going to the gym. We're going to go work on the truck. We're going to go clean the barn. And that requires my level of involvement too. So I, look, honestly, when I see people, like I see kids who will have their, their devices at dinner, like they'll, they'll go to a restaurant and they'll, and they'll literally have it out there. You know, they're like, they're on their iPad at dinner, lazy, not on the kid's part, on the parent's part, Yeah, on the parent's part. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, I'm taking all this in, and, and it's true. And, and you know, I'm going to do a better job with my boy. Uh, it, it's important, super, super important to do that because I have been that lazy, that lazy ass man. And that's not who the, the man have. I want to be. It's not the man I want to be. No, yeah, all. I mean, we all have for sure. Yeah. But like, look, here's the other thing too is if you want your kid to be a way, a certain way, you have to be that certain way first. Right. So if I want Brecken to be a hard worker, I got to be a hard worker. If I don't want him to play video games, I can't be playing video games. If I want, you know, him, him to learn how to, how to hunt, then I have to know how to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> we, we as men, fathers in, in particular have to go first. And if we can't do that, it's not, I, I can't, I can't tell him like, go do this. Oh, I didn't do it, but, but you go figure it you out. You go figure it out. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I got to figure it out first. And I look, I don't have to be the epitome of, of, of whatever that achievement is. You know, Brecken and I went on a hunt uh, last week mm -hmm. and I've only been hunting for about five years. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the epitome of, of, of the, the quintessential hunter I'm, I'm learning, but I am putting myself out there. I am a little bit ahead just because I've been hunting for a few years longer. And so, but also I take him on hunts where other people can teach us. So I me like he's got a strength coach this hunt we just went on with uh, outdoor solutions from field to table there was other people there teaching him at the long range school the the, the rifle range and, and how to break down the, and, and i stepped away because i let other men fill in those gaps but i have to be involved in the process man yeah that that, that makes a ton of sense that makes a ton of sense so um brecken let me let me ask you this question so you got young men, young boys, you know, 13, 14, 15, listening to your show. And let's say you were putting together a success plan for a man in the making. 
okay, what would be the top three things that you would put in that success plan for these young, young boys and young men, men in the making to act upon, to have them feel fulfilled in their lives? Yeah, definitely. One of the first ones that has really made an impact on my life is uh, fitness. I used to be overweight. I was, I was short. I weighed about 154. I don't even know how short I was. I was just a little roly poly. So I started going to CrossFit, I think about five days a week going to CrossFit. And I, and I lost a ton of weight. I got down to 112, which is, wasn't my healthiest. And I decided, yeah, I'm not living this way. So I, I went back up and now I'm at a good one, 150 ish now. So been doing powerlifting. I'm kind of away from CrossFit now because that's not my focus, but jujitsu, I used to do that a lot too with my dad, but just, just go do something, move your body, fitness, some, some form of fitness. I would say that's one of the, the ones that would be in my success plan because it has brought me a lot of fulfillment in my life. I feel like I'm more confident when I'm out in public. I feel better, stronger, healthier, all that stuff. And then second is just spend time with your family. Love your family. Mm. It, it, you could die any day. So spend as much time as you possibly can with your family because you don't know when you're going to pick up, pick, uh, kick the bucket. So just, just spend as much time as you can with your family. It goes by quick. Time flies. But and then the last one, I would say get, get involved with your church. Help them. We've helped them host parties at our, our barn since we have that facility to host those people. Just get involved with church, read scripture, say prayers as a family. Every morning, we, we need to get back on it, but every morning at 7.30, we all come down. We read scriptures. We walk through our day, and then we say a prayer, and that just gets us off to a good start in the morning. But that'd probably be my three three success plans three topics in my success plan. I was, I was really curious how he was going to answer that. I, I, I was, um, that was really good. It was good yeah. I'm just listening to him. I'm like, dang, this kid's 13 years old and he's on top of it. Like the fact that he rattled those things off and had the reasons for doing it. That's actually really, really <laughs> cool. I wasn't sure how he was going to answer that. That was a tough question, but that was awesome. That was really good. That was really <laughs> that good. That was really good. I don't think I'd change a thing. Brecken, what are your thoughts about young men reading? Because that's one of the other things that I find is a difficult thing for me to get my kids into. I read like a fiend. Last year, I read 159 paper books. Like I'm on Goodreads. If you, <laughs> if you want to go on Goodreads and track your books, I'd love to like uh, see what you're reading, Ryan, because that's a pretty cool place where some of my buddies and I do that. But my boys, unless school makes them do it, they just don't do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what are your thoughts on reading and how to get younger men engaged in learning to love to read yeah to be honest i i'm not a fan of reading i don't i don't read a whole bunch yeah i don't know i just don't like to read but if if you find a book that you like and, and can engage with and I don't know. It's that's okay. So it, that's not entirely true. Okay. And, and let me tell you why, and okay. I'll tell you Brecken why that's true as well. Um, 
if like I look at the public school system. Okay. And so the public school system is going to say, you know, here's, here's Moby Dick. Here's, here's these transgender books. Here's this, whatever, whatever you have to read, right. That's what the public school system. And then they're going to force feed it. They're going to shove it down your gullet, whether it's good for you or not. You know what Breckenridge is? Whitetail magazine. Nice. Like, do you have a problem reading Whitetail magazine? No. No. Right. That's, that's the point. Yeah. Okay. Public school and government schooling and all this kind of thing that they're going to shove stuff down your throat because they're going to say it's good. And, you know, some of it is, you know, it's classical literature and, and we should learn from those things. And, but anymore, it's, it's basically the, uh, the, the manual for the doctrine of popular culture, which is yeah. destructive and degenerate and disgusting. Yep. So um, how do you get kids to read? You give them something they want to read. You know, like I don't, I don't have to tell them, Hey, Brecken, I really want you to read that article on how to, how to the, the migration patterns and, and, and moon cycles for, for white tailed deer. Like, I don't need to do that. He's going to go into the, the, the grocery store. Or if we're on a trip together, he's going to run into the, the book or the magazine store. And, and that's what he's going to see. And it's like, I don't, like, I don't need him to read anything else. Like if that's what he wants to read, that's what he wants to read. I'm cool with that. You know? So I think the biggest thing we can do for our young men is not try to force feed them things that they, you know, quote unquote, have to read, but the things that they're interested in, you know, if they're interested in, in, in hunting, like get them a hunting magazine and they can read two or three or four or five articles about the migration patterns of, of white-tailed deer, the moon cycles, or, you know, how, how best to feed or, or, or conservation efforts. And that's good. You know, I, I, I made the mistake a long time ago of, with my wife of believing that if she was to be on her own self-development journey, she had to be reading the same books as I was, yeah. right? So I, I'd show her all the books, I'd show her all the podcasts, and she was, maybe this is a bit of a hyperbole, but she was like repulsed by it. She's like, I don't want to read that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I get that. And I think last year, I, I, th- and this was a pivotal moment for me. She, she last a couple of years ago, she really got into keeping bees. So we've got a couple of beehives at her place here in Maine. And, uh, I heard about this book about bees. Like it's like the definitive guide on, on honeybees. So I jumped on Amazon. I paid 15 or 20 bucks, whatever it was. And I bought the book, had it shipped to her and she loved it. And so I, so she was reading that book. She reads other, like, I don't need her to be on my path. I just need her to be on the path. Mm. I don't need my son or my other children, my other boys and daughter to be on my path. I just need them to be on the path. So we as men sometimes think, well, because here's what we do. We live vicariously through our children. We do. Right. So if I wasn't as successful of a football player as I would have liked to be, then like, I'm going to put it all on his shoulders. Cause I can't put it on my shoulders anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he's not into football. Now he happens to be, but maybe he's not right. Maybe he's into powerlifting. Maybe he's in technology. Maybe he's into coding. Yeah. Maybe he's into photography. Maybe he's into culinary arts. I don't know, but the path is different than my path. And the better we can find the path for our children the better off they're going to be and the more success we're going to have as fathers. You know, that's really very insightful. Uh, everybody's got a path that they need to be on and it, it can't be our path. I mean, my, my, my 14 year old plays hockey and he's a goalie and 
uh, I can barely skate. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, just one of those right. things. I can barely right. skate, but it's great. He's good at it. He loves it. He's happy. And as long as it makes him happy, it, it, it's a good thing. So yeah, that's, that's very insightful. Well, there's another problem here too, Nikki, with that is like, so let's take hockey, for example. I don't know think about hockey. I've never really ice skated. I think I've done it a couple of times, you know, a local ice skating rink or whatever and fallen on my butt a bunch of times. Yeah, and that's it's me. cold and <laughs> stupid and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the problem is, is that when you have a child who's interested in something that you're not interested in, it, it's a wound to the ego, right? Because I, well, like what, Nikki, what are you going to teach your boy about being a goalie? Nothing. He's teaching me zero. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Zero. And you're the dad. So you're like, well, I should be able to teach him. Right. Like I understand that. Or, or alternatively, you could bring somebody in, another man, preferably, who can coach them. So Brecken's got a great powerlifting coach. His name is Sean Moore. Uh, he's he's going through his his college programs and all that kind of stuff, and very knowledgeable. He's a powerlifter himself. Like, wh- what am I going to teach my kid about deadlifting? Like, I I can lift, kind of, but he could probably at this point give me a few more pointers than I I could give him. So that requires humility as a father. I have to step away. And then when Brecken talks about Coach Moore, you know, my initial reaction was. Oh, well, coach Moore, all I have to do is hear about coach Moore. Like, what about me? Okay. But that's, that's the problem. Our egos are getting in the way. And now I think about it. I think, okay, yeah, this man, coach Moore is helping me raise my son. That's, that's not a threat to me. That's actually helping me serve him with regards to what he needs. And I need to, as a father, get out of the way sometimes. Yeah, that's, that, that's very true. You know, I have brought some men to um, help my sons with various aspects of what they do, but I can definitely do a more and a better job of that. No question about it. No question about it. So, um, Brecken, here's the other question I have for you. Um, How um, important is it for you to have a father-son meeting with your dad where you can go over your plans for the week. You can go over your longer term goals. And frankly, where you can educate your dad a little bit on how to, you know, how to support you in winning better, because as fathers, sometimes we don't fully understand what you need. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have an amazing father figure in my life. I understand that not a lot of young men and kids and even women have a good father figure in their life that they can learn from. And we have had always had a great bond. So I feel comfortable coming to him and telling him what I need more from him. And he can tell me what he needs more from me. So it's constructive criticism in a way we're giving each other pointers so we can become better. But the podcast has been so great because we, since we do it once a week, we really get to talk about what's been going on in our lives for 40 minutes. And it's just awesome talking and seeing what's on each other's minds and learning from it and trying to help each other out. And how would you recommend other young men in your position um, who might, you know, listen to this, uh, go about asking their dads to have this kind of structured uh, time with them? 
And by the structured time, I mean like a specific meeting where they talk about what their objectives are for the week, where they talk about how they can support them, where they look at what their longer term goals are. So it doesn't just all blend in into the routine of daily life. Yeah, I would, since we're lucky, we have this podcast once a week that we're able to talk to each other, but I would just go up to your dad and ask him, Hey dad, when can we go camp? When can we go swim? When can we go on a walk? Just go ask him that. And then maybe once a month, a couple times a month, you get to go do that thing with your father and you get to have these talk types of talks with them. Me and him are able to go on a lot of hunts and it's, it's amazing going with my dad on all these hunts because we bump into things in the hunts that we're able to talk about and learn from it and having other guys there that we're able to learn from are amazing. But I would just ask your dad once a week, be like, can we go outside and take a walk around our field and just talk about what's been going on this week? And you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel nervous to go to your dad and ask him anything because he's there to, to help you and help you learn. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a great answer. So Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, obviously I'm coming from the fatherhood perspective. Uh, and so what I would encourage you to do is find your son's thing or your daughter's thing as well. You know, if, if it's ballet for your daughter or shooting for either one of them or hunting, whatever, whatever their thing is, like meet them where they are, you know, and you might not be totally interested in it. You know, Brecken really is into powerlifting. That's not what I'm completely interested in. I'm interested in jujitsu. That's my path. Um, I do jujitsu and CrossFit anywhere between four to six days a week. Um, but he powerlifts. And so powerlifting is not my personal thing, but it is my thing because I love to go support him. I love to learn about it. I love to hear about it. So what we need to do is we need to meet our children where they are. And then if we can sacrifice in a way and meet them where they are, then they're going to, they're going to, they're going to feel that and they're going to have an additional level of, of, of respect. And they're going to see your influence and authority with them. And I think they're going to be more inclined to do the things that you want to do. You know? So if I told my son, Hey, I want to go do X, Y, and Z, he's probably going to do that because when he tells me he wants to go on a hunt or he wants to go on a walk, or he wants to perform at this powerlift meet and myself and my wife and my other kids sacrifice for example, to go down to Boston, like we did a couple of weeks ago, you know, we took two days out of our life to go down and be fully present for him. My wife and I, no problem. The other kids, like, you know, they're distracted and they're anxious and they're, but, the, but we expect them to sit down for four or five hours and watch our son lift. He understands the sacrifice we're making. And so when we want to go do things, uh, he's willing to make that sacrifice because he realizes, I think, for the most part, that we all are here to serve each other. So you, you alluded to it in the question. The biggest thing is make sure you carve out structured time. You know, maybe I'll give you an example. My, my daughter, uh, she's, she'll be turning uh, nine this year. Her and I, every Saturday morning, among other things, but this is an example. Every Saturday morning, her and I, no other kids, just her and I, we go on a donor run. And we go to Dunkin' down the road, we get some drinks and we get some donuts or bagels for the family. And that's her and I, that's our time. Nice. The other kids don't come with me. At this point, they don't even ask if I can come. No, it's just me and my daughter and that's it. 
you know? And so my second son, he's very technologically driven, very interested in design, graphic design. And so we'll sit down on Photoshop and we'll, we'll dink around on there. Or uh, I think last Christmas we bought him some uh, um, BattleBot robots. And so we built the robots and we were, you know, playing with them and trying to fight each other with the robots. <laughs> Is that something I would pick? Probably not right offhand. But like, if he's into it, I'm into it. And that makes a huge, huge difference. If he's into it, I'm into it. That's the quote of the podcast, brother, from you. I like it. I like it. I'm going to make sure my my editor puts that in the show notes. He's into it. I'm into it. It's really, really well said. (laughs) Awesome. So, um, so Brecken, I want you to, um, tell me like one thing about your dad um that you believe he does really really well and one thing that you think he could get better at okay so first off we'll start with one thing he's really good at i think he's good at being disciplined once he has his head and his sights on one thing he's going after that till he reaches that. And he might even go a little past that to fulfill that jujitsu. He's very disciplined with that. He's been, how long you've been doing it? Three years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's, three years. he's been doing it for three years, going after it. Just, ch- just keep getting better. You've had your blue belt for a couple months now and he's just kept his head on the top target and kept going at it I've had so it longer than that i've had it for like oh like a year and a half you're getting close to the next belt is hey, it we'll see purple brown next yeah okay. purple's next. i don't know the belts right offhand but one thing i think you could get better is on is maybe is spending a little more time off your phone you're, you're very present <laughs> with us but i think that you could you could spend a little more time off your phone i know that's your work but i feel like maybe you could Spend a little more time off your phone. Mm. There, you fair. there you go. There <laughs> Completely you go. <laughs> fair. I can't. I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> all right. Same question for you, Ryan. What's one thing Brecken does really well, and what's one thing he could improve at? So the thing that I've always admired about you, Brecken, is your coachability. You know, you'll you'll listen to somebody who's who has some experience or has some knowledge or expertise in a particular subject, and You'll ask questions, but you're not questioning. That's a different thing. You know, asking questions about why they do what they do is different than questioning what they're doing. So um, I think he's probably, not even probably, I believe he is one of the most uh, coachable kids that I've ever met. I know I'm biased about that, but the fact that you listen to what people are saying, I saw that in our hunt. I see that with powerlifting. I see that with, with the things that you're doing is you listen to credible people. And then you apply it. And that's why you're successful. Uh, the thing that I think you can work on the most would be, you know, as a young boy transitioning into a young man. And I would consider you more of a young man now than a young boy. Uh, you know, you, you, let that, you let that ego and that pride get in the way as sometimes. And you think you know it all and you don't. So you, you need to be very careful of assuming that you know everything like the the hey i know no you don't know because if somebody's teaching you then that's an opportunity for you to say thank you or oh that's good advice 
So that that's what I would say you need to work on. Yeah, I've definitely yeah. tested that a couple of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't need to work on that. <laughs> you know, look, here's here. So here's the interesting thing about this question, Nikki, is like these aren't surprises to us. What he just said to me about what I'm good at and what I need to work on, that's not a surprise because we've had this conversation. The the things that I told him that he that he's best at and the things that he needs to work on. We've already had these conversations. Like this isn't the first time we have these conversations. And unfortunately, too many fathers shy away from confrontational type conversations, something that might be challenging, not because they care about their kid. It has nothing to do with that. They care about themselves. It's very selfish. Like, I don't want to talk to my kid about this because it's going to be awkward. Well, are you worried about their feelings or are you worried about yours? And more often than not, the father's more worried about his own feelings and being awkward and uncomfortable than he's worried about how it might make his kid feel. Yeah. Dang, that's good. You know, in, um, in, the, in the men's work that, that I do and in, in, in the folks that I'm around uh, in, in, in Toronto and elsewhere, we, we, we have a term for it. We call it a gentleman's agreement. You know, like the old-fashioned English gentleman, you're not going to say anything to to upset that chap, right? So I will not call you out on your crap if you don't call me out on my crap. And let's just pretend it's all okay. And we'll just shake hands like gentlemen, good chap, and what, what, and whatnot. But unfortunately, gentlemen's agreements, even though on the surface they seem to be fine, they lead to... Um, they lead to tension under the surface, number one, and they also lead to inauthentic relationships. So the reality is over, over time, that relationship isn't going to stand the test. It's just not going to stand the test. So kudos to both of you for having these kinds of discussions with one another. So when I ask a question like this of you, A, it's not a surprise to you. And both of you just nodded your head and said, yeah, 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 it's right. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the gentleman's agreement works in certain contexts right? So for example, unsolicited feedback, you know, who, who am I to approach? And I, this is an extreme scenario, but who am I to approach a stranger on the street and say, you know, sure. you look like dog crap. You need to, you need to improve yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? <agree. laughs> right. That's, that's unsolicited feedback, but there are positions where it's appropriate and not only appropriate, but required. So I don't need permission to give my son unsolicited feedback. It's built into the dynamic. I'm his father, right? Or, or if you have uh, a client, for example, so my, my background is financial planning. I didn't need, I didn't need approval or permission to say, Hey, you need to lock in your spending because they hired me to do a job and that's to help them be accountable to making good decisions. And so giving unsolicited feedback was completely appropriate. So realize the dynamic of the relationship. You know, if you're if it's not your place, it's not your place. But if it is your place, then you dang well better do it. And that's what that's what any like if I respect my son, that means I'm going to tell him things that he needs to improve upon to to make his life better. It would actually be disrespectful to to ignore it. It would be a disservice. I would be abdicating my responsibility as a father if I saw something that he was doing that wasn't going to serve him in his life and I didn't say anything about it because it made things uncomfortable. That would be abdicating my responsibility. Bang on. Bang on. 
Um, Brecken, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like they're in a father-son relationship shouldn't be a gentleman's agreement. Just like he said, it's it's disrespectful not to help people learn and improve in their self. So maybe with with buddies that might come come in some places, but with a father, I don't think you need to have a gentleman's agreement. I think you just need to just need to tell him what what he needs to do right and do what he's doing wrong. I, I don't think a gentleman's agreement comes into play with a father and son relationship, a, a strong father. And Ryan, son relationship. Before you grab that, I, I, I want to just touch on what you said about buddies. So interesting. T- tell me more about your view on how you, you ought to be in your relationship with your buddies. Do you feel that in your relationship with your buddies, you should be a little bit more direct in your feedback? Or do you think you need to hold it back unless they specifically ask you for feedback? I feel like you should um, hold back a little bit on the feedback. You don't know how your buddy will react to that feedback. Maybe you haven't had those types of conversations before with your buddy, but this is your father, not your buddy. So you need to talk to him like he's your father. And I feel like just, just coming out and tell him exactly what he needs to fix is a father, son thing, and maybe not as much as a, a buddy relationship. hundred percent. Sure. Sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, it's good. It's good. I'm glad you, you dove deeper on that. Um, friends come and go, right? Like, Brecken, you need to know that you're going to have friends in your life. I know there's a couple of friends that you're pretty close with. Like they may be lifelong friends or, you know, you might be friends with them for another couple of months and that's it. Yeah. You know, so friends come and go and the relationship friends is a, is a broad swath, right? So I don't, I don't know what that means exactly. Is that an accountability partner? Is that a brother in, in life? Is that somebody who just casually comes into your life and it's a short chapter of the book and you close it and it's done. It can mean a lot of different things. Um, but blood, blood isn't, you know, blood's forever. Right. So I'm your dad. You're my son. That doesn't go away. Even if there's some sort of strain to varying degrees in the relationship. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's very important to realize that. And and he said it great. He said, we're not buddies. We're not buddies. I'm not your buddy. I'm not your friend. Okay. And I, and I'm, I, I get so tired of seeing men, fathers step down from the mantle of fatherhood into this lower realm or tier of friend. Yeah. Now we're friendly, right? We have good times together. We laugh and we joke and we tease each other and we go on hunts together and we do things that you would think are friendship type things. But at the end of the day, I don't step down off my mantle of father so I can be your buddy. And he said it perfectly. He's like, we're not buddies. You're my dad. I'm your, I'm your son. That's what he said. Right. So we can be friends. We can be friendly. We can have interpersonal dynamic and and it can, and it can include a lot of what you might see in a relationship with a friend, but it's up here. It ain't down here where friends come and go. This relationship is up here. We're not stepping down off this mantle of father or son relationship. It's for, so we can be buddies. It's for life and beyond, honestly. Uh, It's for life and beyond. So really well answered gentlemen, really well answered. Brecken, if you're speaking to other fathers listening to this and they're having some challenges in their relationship with their teenage son, some of the challenges that we've discussed in this in this conversation today, you know, around how to talk to them about issues like playing video games and spending time together and all of that stuff. What would be the top three pieces of advice you give those fathers 
to turn things around and make them better with their son. Yeah, I would just say, first one, just step into their lives more, be more involved, get in to their lives more, figure out what they like to do, all, all that stuff. That, that'd be number one. And I would probably, if I saw a father and a son um, in a hurting relationship, I might go up to the son and say, you need to realize that he's a loving and caring father and you need to also be part of this relationship and, and work with your father and communicate with them. That those are like the main two, I would say, I'm trying to think of a third one, but those are the ones that come right off my head right there. I, I, I can add a third one to that. Please. Um, most people are horrible at communication. Most people are horrible at it. You know, we have good intentions. We our hearts in the right place. We have a desire to serve, especially as a father. And, and where we fall short is not our heart or desire to see our children win, but it's our ability to communicate that effectively. Mm. So what I would encourage a father to do is to learn how to communicate effectively. You know, so maybe that's reading up on some material. Maybe that's just practicing communication, opening up your heart, opening up what's going on in your mind, what you're thinking about and, and becoming more proficient at communicating effectively. One of the things that I see that's a little disheartening to me in this, in this men's culture, especially when it comes to men's self-development is this idea that, you know, we're, we're alphas and, and, and we have, you know, zero F's given. That's one of the things yeah. that we hear a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to me, I hear that. And I think that's weak. That's, that's immature. What that represents to me is a man who is incapable at this point in his life of adapting and, and, and changing and being aware of his audience, you know, the way that I talk to my wife is going to be completely different than the way I talk with my son or my other children. The way I talk about things on a podcast is going to be completely different than the conversations that I have with my wife. Now the messaging might be similar, but my communication method might be very, very depending on my audience. And so you as a father need to learn how to communicate effectively. And, and we, a lot of times we spend time thinking, well, you know, if my wife did this or my kids did that, or if my, my kid did this or appreciated this about me, you go first, you're the dad, you're the father. So you do that. You know, I'm listening to my son right now as we have this podcast. And like I said, this is the second one we've done. I'm like, dang, that was a really good answer. Well, where do you think he learned that from? <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to steal his thunder and put it on my, at all. I'm just saying, I hear him like, man, that's something I would have said. Right. Cause that's where he heard it from. You are just and a little bit. The, you are just a little bit too, but, but yeah, it's good. I get what you're saying. Maybe for sure. But I think it's important. You know, if he came on here and he stuttered and he tripped all over himself and he didn't know what he was talking about, then that would have been that's my That's on you too. That's on you too. Yeah. Right. So your kids are going to pick that up. So if you want your kids to communicate more effectively with you and you want to have this bond, then you start, you lead off and the rest will follow. I do want to say this, the, um, the uh, way that you're showing up Brecken as a, uh, as a young man is very impressive. And Ryan kudos to you for raising such a great young man. Like, I mean, this is pretty awesome stuff. I'm very, very impressed. So well done gentlemen. Thank well, you. well look like, like we were saying a minute ago, you know, maybe stole a little just, bit of that. Just credit. a little bit. Just yeah. A <laughs> just a little. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, I when I say my prayers at night, I thank God for my family, for my wife, for my kids. And, and I often, you know, ask like, hey, could you tell me why <laughs> you've blessed me with these children? I don't understand because I feel so inadequate most of the time. And I don't feel worthy to be able to be partnered with my wife and, and to raise my kids. And I'm not quite sure why he made sure that him and I were partnered, but we are. So we got to make the most of it. Amen. Amen. So I want to I want to just go back to a couple of the things you said, uh, Ryan, because I think they're important things to draw out in this conversation, and frankly, in, in more conversations than this on this show and elsewhere in life. There's this alpha energy that um, a lot of men are trying to latch onto, and to me, it's less an alpha energy than it's a macho energy. And I draw a distinction between macho and masculine. The macho energy is very adolescent it's very look at me here's my chest here's it's puffed up i'm strong i lift weights i i know how to fight all the girls love me all the girls want to be with me oh and and zero eps given and all that other other jazz and some of the men that these folks call beta really aren't beta at all they are just men who you know get married have families or pillars in the community and 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 they can't uh, they can't wrap their heads around why that really is the alpha that really is the masculine and the way that they're showing up is the feminine and now there, there there's a podcast i'm not going to name it because you know they don't want to do that but there's a podcast that's out there for for men it's run by a couple of men who are in their early 30s they're out of miami you know and you may have heard of them you may have seen it all they're talking about is how great men are and how women aren't so great and a high value man should be able to be with as many women as he wants and he shouldn't be faithful to his, to his uh, woman, even if he's in a committed relationship with them. And that's not the kind of message that I'm interested in giving to the next generation of young men, you know, because I believe that's a very destructive message. And a person who lives that kind of life is destroying their honor is destroying the, the, the sense of what it means to be a masculine man. And they're not teaching the next generation how to raise their kids. And uh, Brecken, um, I'm going to ask you what your thoughts on on this might be. I, I know that these are maybe not things you think about a lot, but, um, you know, I would like to to hear from you when you see those types of guys versus versus men like your father. What are your thoughts? Where, where, where do you land on this issue? Yeah, that podcast that you were just describing, that sounds like toxic masculinity. That's that's the type of people picture masculinity is what men young men look like and act like and I feel like the macho man as as you called it they just want attention that's all they want they don't want to build a family help their community out they just want the attention so the difference between that and a, a masculine men is they are willing to put their hand out there to help others be as great as them and thrive from them and they learn from each other and help build their communities up and their families. So that's what I think the, think the differences is between them. But I think those, those types of guys just want the attention and that's, that's not all of it. That's a really mature answer, young man. I got to say that's a better answer than I would have given to that question. Great. Ryan, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I've, I've been called a beta and a cuck and all these things, you know, a thousand times. Ryan you know, Mickler, a cuck, that's a laugh, media. man. That's a laugh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean but, Jesus. but people people will see me 
posting something about, you know, serving my wife. And they're like, oh, well, you serve your wife, right? Because I'm a leader. So I serve, that's what leaders do. Leaders serve. You know, they care more about their people than they care about themselves. And they care about the mission as well. And my, you know, I have a mission. I have a mission within my family to lead them to a place they could not have gone to or even imagined on their own. That's my son. That's my, my other sons, my daughter, my wife. That's, that's my job. And so in order to do that, I need to serve them effectively. So, you know, it, it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not here to convince a guy who thinks that, you know, uh, manliness is defined by our ability to bed women and make a bunch of money uh, is the epitome of masculine. I don't care. Like if, if you think that's your thing or whatever, then go for it. But I'll tell you this in the thousands and thousands of conversations I've had, that doesn't bring fulfillment. It does not, you know, it might be bring, bring temporary satisfaction. You know, you find an attractive woman and you take her home and you have sex with her, or, um, you know, you make a bunch of money and, and you've got the jets and the, in the, in the boat and the private jet and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Like you're going to feel good, but you know what it's, there's a void. And anybody who's ever achieved any amount of success without the fulfillment and the foundation behind it knows that they're always going to be chasing the next big jet, the next hottest woman, um, you know, the next uh, zero in their in their bank account behind the the million. Uh, so I, I would suggest that if flip it on its head, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to build a fulfilling life, and that means that I'm here with my family. Um, I don't particularly enjoy traveling because I like to be here and present with my family. Uh, I try to add value to people's lives. I try to serve the men that listen to our podcasts. Um, I try to serve my family. I try to serve my community. And I know that the the income and the this and the that and all the things I want and the in the in the sex life. I know Brecken doesn't want to hear this, but the sex life with my wife, you know, like his mom. That's kind of weird. I get it. Um, <laughs> you know, that stuff's gonna take care of itself, right? It's gonna take care of itself, and that's the difference between an alpha male. And a confident man. Yeah, that's it. Just, just a like a out when you're chasing being an alpha, you're chasing external circumstances, hoping that it backfills the internal. But when you're a when you're a confident man, you're pursuing the internal circumstances to making yourself better, knowing that the externals will take care of themselves. And that's what I want. I want a fulfilled life. I want a meaningful life. I want to have pride and satisfaction in knowing that I'm doing right by other people, my wife, my kids, my neighbors, community members, et cetera, people who listen. And, you know, the rest is going to take place. Like, it's fine. The rest is going to take care of itself. You know, well said. And I think um, it's important that messages like yours get to the young, persuadable people, uh, not just men, but women as well, because our society is going to continue to, uh, to to grow and evolve. And we've got some dark forces right now, forces that are anti-family, that are anti-boy, anti-man. And then we've got some light forces, forces that see that this is a world that God has created and that men are the foundation, the rock that's going to help take everybody forward, that got to lead. You're part of the forces of light. I think, Ryan, you and I, when we last spoke, I said this to you, man, I want to see the order of man grow and, and the Iron Council go to at least 10,000 men. But that's a small village. That's just a small village. You know, like if there were 10,000 men like you and me, and we each had 10,000 men, 10,000 times 10,000 is only 100 million. Now, you may go only 100 million, Brecken especially, when you talk about only 100 million. They are... 3.7 billion men on the planet 
if we only reach 100 million, we still got 3.6 billion more to go before we can truly transform the planet. So to me, your voice needs to be amplified. And Brecken, I'm so glad you're doing this because your voice needs to be amplified to the generation of 13 and 14 and 15 year old boys so that the messages of the so-called alphas, they're, they're the people I call macho though, because I don't think they deserve the term alpha. They're macho. The macho people, their message needs to be less loud, not because we're censoring them, but because people are seeing the truth and the power and the glory of the type of message that Brecken and Ryan Mickler are putting out in the world. That's what I wanted to say. Well, I'll say one more thing. First, I appreciate that. And I reckon I know you do as well. Um, the, the labels are always interesting, whether you use macho or alpha or Brecken alluded to toxic masculinity earlier. Like the, we, we place these labels on things so we can attempt to understand them. There's, a, there's really only a couple of labels that I would use that I think would, would sum this up. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this because I've got a book coming out later this year. And I've been thinking about toxic masculinity, you know, this term we hear. Uh, which what I don't I don't subscribe to, um, but you know you have two camps. You have this idea that masculinity is inherently toxic. That's one camp, and then you have another camp that says masculinity is inherently good. Well, you know I don't sit on either one of those camps. It's neither good nor bad. Like it's amoral. Masculinity is amoral because masculinity is defined by a set of characteristics and behaviors that we normally attribute to men. That, that's it. Like that's the definition of masculinity. Is that bad? Is that good? No, it's neither. But there's a, there's a third terminology I use here, and, and that's the term of, of manliness. You know, and, and, and manliness to me is taking our masculine characteristics and harnessing them for productive outcomes for ourselves and the people that we care about. And that's manly. And that means that a 13 or 14-year-old kid like my son can be manly. Not always, but same with me. <laughs> like, there's things that I do in my life that I would not consider manly. You know, I mess up and I have pitfalls and things I step into and screw up. And that's not manly behavior. It might be masculine. It may not, but it's not manly, certainly. So, you know, we don't expect our young boys to be men. We don't call them men. We call them children or boys or even young men because we don't expect that from them. You know, and that's why you might have a 40-year-old who's, you know, mooching off mommy and daddy living in their basement, you know, jacking off all day to porn instead of doing their work and what they should be doing. And that's, he might be 40 years old, but that's not a man. It's not manly behavior at all. So our job is to harness our amoral masculine qualities and characteristics. Take violence, for example, is violence bad? Well, it can be if you're hurting innocent people, but it can also be good if you're defending the innocent. Using violence. So it's amoral. So we have to take those characteristics and harness them for productive outcomes. And that is what makes you a man. That's manliness. Brilliantly said, my friend. Brilliantly said. I I, I think a little bit about it occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very obvious you think about these issues very deeply. I'm looking forward to your new book coming out uh, and and reading it. So, um, Brecken, when you're writing your book for fathers on how to raise a great son. It's kind of in the making right now. We're thinking of thinking of ideas. We have our man rule subject on all our podcasts, every episode. So we're thinking we're taking those man rules, maybe a hundred of them 
and putting them in a book and having sections on that that topic just a whole book about the man rules that we think are important that young men should have implemented in their life but i think you should write a book for fathers from the perspective of a young man and this is what i think is really missing i don't think there's a book like that out there in the marketplace but if a young man like yourself said how to raise a great 13-year-old son for you if you're a father written by a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old by the time the book comes out for you. That's cool. Because the wisdom of Brecken, the things you've shared with me about how I can be with my son are really, really awesome. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've never read any of this anywhere. It, it, it just struck me that it'd be cool for you to take some of the things you and your dad talk about, but write it for the dad rather than writing it for the son. Not, not that it's not a bad thing to write it for the son too, but if you write it for the dad, I'll be your first customer. I'll, I expect a signed copy <laughs> for being the first customer. That's and, a good idea. and I think that actually would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. I got an occasional idea or two that's good too, right? <laughs> oh, I know. I know you do. We talk all the time, man. I know you do. All right. Well, gentlemen, um, let's close off the interview by asking you both to answer um, this one question maybe part A and part B. So if there was one thing you'd want to impart to, to, to fathers, Brecken, one thing you want to leave them both with, what would it be? And then the, the opposite of that question would be for you, Ryan, if there's one thing you'd want to impart to sons, teenage sons in particular, what would that be? Go. Just spend time with your son, carve out time for your son. It's going to help you become a better person and your son become a better person. And they can look back when you've passed away and say, I had a really good dad in my life and I'm really fortunate to have had a good dad in my life. So I think just the most important thing is carve out time and spend time with your son. Amen. Um, for me, for the boys, I, I, I would say that I realized that not every young man out there has the luxury of having an engaged and present father in his life. But I would also tell you that in the absence of that, there are other men in your community who do want to serve you, who do want to step up. And although you may not have an engaged father, which is unfortunate, you can recognize and acknowledge that there's other men in your life. So one of the men in my life when I was young is, is a man by the name of Matt Labrum. He was my high school football and baseball coach. And in fact, him and I still have conversations 20 two years later, him and his family are coming out here to visit us at our home here in the next couple of months because we still have a relationship. Nice. And he's somebody that I actually don't know how much older than he is. He's not much older than me, actually, because when he started coaching, he was just getting out of college. So he's probably only five or six or eight years older than me. Um, but very, very fatherly in a way, um, taught me a lot about how to show up as a man, how men perform, how men behave, how we perform, um, how we sacrifice, how we work with a team all through the, the metaphor of sports, really. Uh, so look for those men in your life. If you have a, if you have a gauged father in, in the home, congratulations. Be, be grateful for that. Honor him as your father. Learn from him but also know he doesn't have everything figured out. And so you got to be able to decipher as a young man, the good from the bad, you know, there's things that Brecken probably uh, can identify in me that, you know, I might need some work on. And so he doesn't need to learn those things, but he's old enough and can comprehend that he's his own man and he will be his own man. And 
we look for the gaps. We look for what he can learn from me, take the good, leave the bad, and what we can learn from other men as well. Um, that's going to help you step into masculinity and manliness more effectively as you get older. Yeah, well said. Well said. Gentlemen, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to have you back in a, in, a, in a few months. Uh, I want to check in on how the podcast is going. Um, Brecken, if you'd like to get on other shows, you know, uh, you know, let me know. I'm happy to introduce you to a few other podcasters. I know I think um, it'd be a pretty cool thing for them to have a, a young man of your um, your maturity and uh, with so much wise things to say, come on their show. So just want to let you know, I'm, I'm here to support you in any way that, that I can. And please take me up on it. This isn't just, you know, words that a man is saying, your dad will attest to this, that I mean what I say. So take me up on it. Thank you. This, this was an awesome experience being here with my dad and you and being able to go over this type of stuff. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. All right. We'll catch you on the flip side, folks. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.